This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, my cat-loving friends. It's that time of month, our favorite time, when Dr. Kelly Cairns comes back to visit that us. That sounded you funny. No, it would. That sounded funny. funny. Okay, Not for us all, Brock, but anyway, continue with your intro, Linda. <laughs> we have Dr. Kelly Cairns with us. She comes back every month to help educate us, and I, the information that Rita and I have gotten alone has been helping us so much in what we do. And we've got more. The holidays are coming. So let's get started talking about that because there's a lot we need to know when it comes to our animals. So we will be right back with Dr. Kelly right after this word from our sponsor. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to 19 Cats and Counting. I am your co-host, Linda Hall, and I am blessed to have my BFF, Rita Reimers, here what kind me, of my darling. Today? Oh, we, we all did. do. We we kind of, I know. When you all get the video like, version, you'll see. We're it's so chic. Today. It's chic. It's, it's it makes you thin. Yeah, that too. So but let's holidays not talk about are that. coming. Yes. As we tape this, we're approaching Halloween. It'll be over by then. And then And then our favorite eating holiday. Oh yeah, baby. And then my favorite everything holiday, Christmas. So there's a lot going on in the next couple and of Hanukkah, months. And, and Hanukkah and Hanukkah and Hanukkah. And yeah. So let's get Dr. Kelly in here to help us out and straighten us Welcome out. Welcome back. We're Before so happy. Before we to make see you. mistakes. Yeah. It's like it's been forever since last time we spoke. I know. It does. It's been too long. The month has flown. We're gonna concentrate more on um the food aspect this with this uh podcast. And we have so much food on our tables at Thanksgiving time, and my cats smell all of it, and they want all of it, but they can't have all of it, can they? They cannot have all of it. So we're going to unpack what's okay, what's not okay, and what to not forget about. All right. Sounds good. So let's start with what's not okay. I got food everywhere for my Thanksgiving or Christmas meal. What is dangerous to my cat? What do I really need to watch to make sure he doesn't steal? Such a great question. So the first thing that I'll start with is to, we all know that cats, because they're not small dogs, they're, and they are more dis, uh, discriminant eaters, right? They're not going to be as likely to just dumpster dive or go in your trash or try to scrounge stuff off your plate as the typical dog. Uh, so that's good. That's good. What we want to make sure of is that we don't then discount 
the possibility or potential that one of your kitties is going to have an interest in trying to eat something that they shouldn't by jumping on your table. Um, so we don't want to discount that. You know, we, you know, a lot of times folks think, oh, it's not a risk because it's not a Labrador who's, you know, like my dog, Winston, who's always getting into my trash. So, you know, cats get on tables real easy. So we just want to make sure that we're keeping things out of reach. And then we might also want to feed our cats stuff intentionally, give them a little treat, which could be totally fine. But again, let's talk about what are the big uh-ohs and what to definitely avoid. So the seasonings, specifically onions and garlic, those can be toxic both to cats and dogs, but cats are going to be way more susceptible to the toxicity of onions and garlic, partially because they're smaller. That's what I thought. So it less of those things to cause them problems because typically it's related to how big you are um, and how much then you can tolerate related to your weight. So cats are smaller, so they can tolerate less. Secondly, cats are unique. We've talked about their unique metabolism and they, because of the structure of their body and their cells, particularly their red blood cells, are more susceptible to the potential harm of onions or garlic, which can actually cause those red blood cells to pop open. We call that hemolyze, resulting in anemia. So first and foremost, onions and garlic, let's avoid letting your kitty get into or intentionally feeding them foods that are heavily seasoned with onions and garlic. Oh yeah. Like the stuffing. My mom puts onions in her stuffing. I don't cook with onions because they kill my stomach. And then that casserole, everybody likes the green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. The crunchy French onion. I don't like it because I can't. You had me a green bean. But you really have to watch those things. You do. You do. And, you know, some folks might be thinking, some of our kitty loving friends who know their stuff might be thinking, but hey, Dr. Kelly, you know, I there's some, you know, natural remedies for fleas and ticks that kind of prevent them from wanting to stay on my cat and dog and eat, eat that blood meal. Those have garlic or, hey, here's a supplement that has garlic. Wait a minute. You're saying garlic's bad, but isn't garlic an anti-inflammatory and doesn't it help the immune system and it doesn't it help prevent ticks or repel them or fleas? So let me, if anyone's thinking that, let me explain because it's not inherently a contradiction. So it is true that we want to avoid in cats in particular, onion and garlic compared to dogs for those supplements. And you will see, if you look at some of those awesome supplements marketed for cats, a lot of them will have a very small amount, if any at all, that might be okay. Because garlic in tiny little amounts for cats may be okay. You always want to check with your veterinarian to review the label of any of those supplements and or natural flea repellents, even if they're marketed for cats to triple check with garlic in particular, it's still okay. See, that's good. I didn't know they had garlic in those supplements. Did you, Linda? No, I did not. Some of them do, some of them don't. And a lot of them that do, it's more a dog thing than a cat thing. So I'm putting it out. Like my job is to be your canary in the coal mine, right? So if you see one that says four cats, or maybe it doesn't specify, uh, definitely no, you want to check with your veterinarian to just triple check medically. Um, and then, you know, again, we want to recognize that if you have like just a dash of a sprinkle of a skosh of garlic powder dehydrated in a giant vat of green bean casserole and you were to choose to, you know, pick out a green bean and your cat gets it by accident, 
small amounts of garlic is probably going to be okay for your cat. But in an abundance of caution, let's just avoid that in full total for your kitties. Yeah, I like to share my turkey with them. And that's okay, but they there's like a caveat to that too. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off, Linda. I'm sorry. Well, no, and this goes along because I know where you're going. This goes along with the question I was going to say. Okay, so I got a crock pot going in the kitchen. I don't, but I wish I did. With roast, with the little carrots and potatoes, and believe me, onions. My husband strongly believes that there can never be too many onions in anything. It's more onions than pot roast. Anyway, so. I'm never are, eating pot roast at your I'm house. I'm going to just ahead. give a little piece of pot roast to my cat. I'm not going to give him the onion. I'm just going to give him the pot roast. Is it a problem because the pot roast was cooked all day in the onions? A good question. Yeah. So I will start. I'll answer your question, but I'll start with the caveat. I may say a few times while we have this conversation. Always make sure for each individual kitty related to who they are, how old they are, any potential chronic illnesses or other health conditions that you're having an individual conversation with your veterinarian because there might be some nuances for your individual cat. So if you have your run-of-the-mill, healthy, happy cat that doesn't have anything that is specific or unique that you need to be talking about diet with your vet, you're probably fine to give a little bit of turkey or that pot roast meat that, uh, you know, even maybe you're rinsing it off, you know, there's, it was cooked in the onions, but it's just the meat a little bit without the skin, if it's, or excessive fat trimmed off, you're trimming that off. It's not the skin, a little tiny bit to your kitty. They love it. And in, it probably can be okay. Little bit. We definitely want to avoid though skin. We want to avoid really fat on that meat and we want to avoid large quantity because in a most common scenario that can cause some tummy upset, right? Rarely we can see in big quantities some more significant issues, including pancreatitis, which can make them really sick. And then certainly it goes without saying no bones. We're removing right. all the bones. Right. They can have poultry, raw poultry bones, but the cooked ones splinter too much. Is that is that true? I keep hearing that's true. So raw bones are going to be way less likely to cause mechanical or physical irritation, laceration, and or obstruction. Because to your point, they're more bendy. They're not as pokey. The one thing we need to worry about and about raw bones would be that if it's not cooked, you could have some foodborne pathogens like E. coli or salmonella that I would worry about. So because there's so many other tasty things that could be safer for our kitties, I would rather everybody's reaching for a little bit of that cooked, low fat, no skin turkey or the pot roast meat. What about the organs, the liver, the heart? The, a lot of people like to, you know, boil that up and, and give it to their cats. Is that good for them? Yeah, I mean, small amounts of that stuff is not going to be harmful. It's kind of the same story with the, the muscle meat that we typically think about eating. So, you know, same story there. Little bits cooked shouldn't be harmful to most cats. Yeah, that's I do that every Thanksgiving. I take all the parts out of the turkeys behind that I don't want. And I put them in the bottom of the pan with the broth. I use bone broth. And then after a few hours, when that's cooked up, but the turkey obviously is taking a lot longer, then I take those out and I season the turkey and I do everything I want to do to the turkey so that those are separate. And I split them up among 11 cats. So yeah, they're not getting a lot, but it makes me feel, and I think this is just a pepper thing. 
I know, look, I know my cats I have no idea that it's Thanksgiving or Christmas and something special I'm is going on, but I just feel like I have to give them something special. They're my the family. I have to celebrate the holidays with them, right? Oh, it's such a good tip you guys have. I really like that suggestion of doing it the way you're doing it. Yeah, um, good, setting it aside, you know, yes, it, I think that's such a special way that they can participate. And, you know, just like with uh, us, if we were to indulge in that giant meal with all the pies and all the stuff we're going to eat every day, that probably wouldn't be physically healthy for us. So we always want to be cognizant of not feeding our kitties too many treats all the time. But on that special day, I think it is a really nice way that they can be a part of the family. My cats are sneaky and they'll end up places you don't want them faster than you can imagine. I almost lost Jed outside yesterday, but that's another story. How can you tell that maybe they have snuck something off the table that they shouldn't have and they've eaten it? How can you tell that they might be having a problem? So, you know your kitty better than anybody. If they are acting off at all, go with your gut. Go with your spider sense. So certainly if they've eaten too much of something or if they've eaten something that's uh, giving them uh, pancreatitis or inflammation of the pancreas or heaven forbid they've eaten something where now they're having a, uh, an obstruction in their intestines, they're typically going to be pretty quiet, lethargic. They may be actually vomiting. They may just not want to eat their regular food the next day and or have diarrhea. Those are some significant symptoms to watch for. But if your kitty at any time, including the holidays, is just off and something's not right, monitor that. And if that's not resolving, that's when you probably want to call your vet to have a chat about it and maybe bring your kitty in. Certainly if there's vomiting, diarrhea, kitty seems painful, real lethargic, we're going to want to have your kitty seen by a vet. We recently had a client that I'm laughing, but it wasn't funny, but her cat was just being a little off and weird. And she took the cat to the vet and they're like, yeah, we don't see anything, whatever, keep an eye. And a couple of days later, he really wasn't eating and he was quite lethargic. And she took him back and they're like, now oh, we could try like some antibiotics. I just don't see anything wrong. And she said her gut was just screaming at her. And she said, no, you need to listen to me. Yeah, the cat ingested part of its water fountain that needed to be removed. So yeah, there was an obstruction in there. And letting that go could have meant death. So no shade to that vet. They they went off, you know, it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. It's a duck. And it looked like a duck and it wasn't a duck. So this is where the partnership between the people and the vets come, right? I'm laughing because you can't get them to take a pill, but they eat the water fountain. Yes, girl. <laughs> Yeah. So, and again, you know, cats are tricky, right? So, and they move around, they're stealthy. So I think it underscores too, we need them in the water fountain. Woo, I don't know what was happening that day with that kitty. <laughs> but, um, you know, weird stuff happens. But really, you know, you do need to watch, you know, when you take that turkey out of the pan and you've got the trimmings up on your table and you're getting ready, fixing your table and you're doing all your place settings. My cat, Oshi, is going to want to come up and maybe lick everything there steal a bone and those big meals are everywhere right i've got stuff here and here and here and rita and i joke all the time if we make something and it's got a cool we either stick it in the microwave or the oven depending microwave. on which one wasn't hot and yes and uh you know to keep them out of it but when you're talking like a holiday meal with your hammer your turkey and your potatoes and your stuffing and your da 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 I don't have enough microwaves to hide all that food. <laughs> it's very difficult. Let's talk about mashed potatoes and things like that. Can cats eat those type of things? 
my cat Oshi would tell you he's kind of a carb food junkie. He prefers I have the one of those. The wet food. I mean, cat the average cat again. Cats are more discerning and discriminating eaters than dogs, right? But the average cat may actually have a taste for a mashed potato. Um, I think a lot of cats are probably going to prefer the turkey, but I would not recommend that you have your kitty eating a lot of those mashed potatoes. There, just in an abundance of caution, if there's a bunch of butter and the fat you know, as well right. as the, the chance for tummy upset. A lick of mashed potato is probably unlikely to be harmful to the average cat. All right. Good information. Well, and you're saying, and again, you're saying the average cat, like we know that I don't have the average cat. Exactly. I have 17 that like to cause mischief we, and we trouble. Know that, we know that cats are lactose intolerant. We're not supposed to give them milk, but mm-hmm. Rita's got a few cats that beg for things that she'll give them a little taste of her yogurt or whatever. But then she had one cat Smoking. that I swear if he looked at dairy he broke out into diarrhea and vo- it was so bad. He could not even have a taste. He had a little speck of something. And I don't know how all that came out of him after. Because it was a lot more than just a little speck of thing he threw up. So yeah, no dairy for him, even though he wanted it and he loved it. On the other hand, my peanut butter, all I have to do is bring out a container of whipped cream. He's right there. So a little bit of whipped cream. Is that okay? Yeah, most cats are not going to be harmed by licking just a titch of whipped cream. But you guys have raised all the excellent points already in terms of cats are lactose intolerant. They can have some tummy upset or diarrhea from dairy. And then some cats are more sensitive to that. But we're not going to see a toxicity with licking a titch of whipped cream like we would with the garlic per se. I know there's some other things we haven't talked about that are extremely toxic for cats, but we'll be right back. We have to take a little break for our sponsor. We'll be right back to talk more about this with Dr. Kelly and my beautiful co-host, Linda Hall. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back with 19 Cats and County. We're getting prepared for the winter holidays. Can you believe it already? We're already in November 2023. This year just flew by. So on the subject of food, are there any, like we said, you know, a titch isn't going to bother, a little bit isn't going to bother them. Are there any foods that it only takes a crumb? Like anything I should really be alert about? If I've got 10 dishes out, which ones do I really need my eyes on? Because I can't watch them all. The ones that have a lot of garlic, and onions, or an abundant amount of fat. Those are the three colors. I am fastidious about like wiping down the counters, which no one else in my house is. And so, you know, they make their sandwich or whatever, there's crumbs on the counter. And I get like, no, the cat's will lick it, which I'm sure it's a crumb, but you know. 
some of us are overprotective and we worry about things. So yeah, I don't want anything up there that they can, they can get into. For sure. And, you know, I, I actually was thinking because we may have folks here that are kitty loving and dog loving, and that's awesome. Let me also talk about where, again, cats are not small dogs and some differences we might see, not just with regard to if they're discriminatory when they eat or if they just like to dumpster dive in the garbage, right? We've discussed <laughs> that difference. Yeah. Uh, there is a little bit of a difference. So if you have dogs, you might be like, wait a minute, Dr. Kelly didn't talk about raisins and grapes. What about that? So what we know and what we experience and what the study kind of the case reports show is that dogs tend to be way more susceptible to grape and or raisin toxicity, which is just a dehydrated grape, than cats. And even with dogs, it tends to be dog to dog, very variable. So there are some dogs that have the misfortune of eating a single grape and they actually go into kidney failure. That's the organ that tends to be affected. And we're like, what did, why did that happen? And then you have dogs that seem to dodge a bullet where they eat a whole bunch of grapes or more commonly, like they get cookies with a bunch of raisins in them. Um, and so, and then, and, and then nothing happens. So knock on wood, I've been very fortunate because my very poorly mannered dog, Winston Zettemore Karens, has actually done that twice with cookies because he seems to be able to get up on any surface. And we've now learned, even if it seems to be 10 foot tall, don't leave the plate out. But thankfully, he did not develop kidney failure or kidney problems. Now with cats, again, they're probably less likely to want to be attracted to raisins and or grapes because they're discerning and they're probably not going to go for them. Um, but we, they seem to not be as susceptible to that kidney toxicity from that. Now that is not Dr. Kelly telling you go feed your cat grapes and, and raisins, but just statistically, grapes, they're <laughs> right. You know, and then um, another thing to, to touch on, too, would be chocolate, right? So, you know, I want to mention that because, again, that's not something that your cat is likely, unless you've got that oddball weirdo cat that you guys might because you've got some super fun personality cats. Cats are not going to be as likely to want to eat things that have chocolate in it. But chocolate is something that is uh, toxic to both dogs and cats. It's got a compound in it that... It's kind of like a caffeine-like substance. It's technically a different molecule, but it has similar effects. So we can see, in addition to tummy upset, because anything can cause that, we can actually see the effects of, I've had too many cups of coffee, which could cause heart arrhythmias and or weakness or fainting in a most severe situation. And, and that can be, and we do see in the ER setting, animals that in the worst case scenario can be fatal. Is a cat likely to want to eat chocolate in enough of a quantity that that's going to be a problem? Probably not. But in an abundance of caution, I will say to you, let's make sure we're not leaving chocolate out for our cats. And certainly, like, that's not the go-to treat. Give them that skinless, boneless, little bit of low-fat turkey or, you know, again, cooked meat. You'll be their best friend. They don't need, you know, your Rocher hazelnut chocolate. <laughs> right. And watch out for the pumpkin pie too. The pumpkin's okay, but the pumpkin pie, not so much. That's something can't we do just like I was thinking about that earlier, just like we can make a special in other ways, right? Let me give you a little bit of canned pumpkin while I eat my pumpkin right. pie. Let me give you those special lickable treats that you flip out over that I the don't churros. keep on stock regularly. Let's make this a churro holiday or cat it makes them that I like. You know, there are other things that you can do that are special that are animal appropriate. Like if you're one that loves to go out partying and drinking on New Year's Eve, that doesn't mean that your three-year-old should go with you partying and drinking on New Year's Eve, right? There are things that are specific to the situation. 
And then, you know, let me, gosh, my brain is just thinking about all these things. I want to also just make sure, again, maybe more a dog thing than a cat thing, but I want to be really thorough so I don't leave people with questions. So there is a type of artificial sweetener called xylitol that can be very, very, very toxic. It makes blood sugar very low, so low animals can have seizures uh, from the low sugar, and it also can directly cause liver toxicity. Now, again, this is going to be way more likely to impact our dogs for the reasons we've already outlined. You know, dogs are more likely to want to dumpster dive, you know, get, you know, take those things, get into the trash, be attracted to those foods that may have that substitute. Many sugar-free gums have xylitol. Now, there's many other artificial sweeteners out there that don't have this particular toxicity. So people have probably heard of Splenda, you know, Stevia, et cetera, monk fruit. Um, I'm not recommending you feed those things to your animals, cats or dogs either, because they can have their own problems. They can get some tummy upset. But this specific life-threatening toxicity is, to our knowledge, unique to xylitol. And just as a call out, again, I highly doubt people are going to be wanting to feed sugar-free gum or feed another sugar-free dessert. You never know. You never know. So let's just put it out there. It's kind of a here hooves, look for horses, not zebras, but we're going to just put that on our no-no list. No, no. Agree. I think a lot of this too, from a behavioral standpoint, is you really need to have your cats trained to not jump up on the table when you're eating, when you're cooking, um, give them alternative things to do and places to be. And I know that's easier said than done, but really, Linda and I both have a house full of cats and my cats know when I'm cooking not to jump up on the stove and not to jump up on the counter um, unless I'm preparing their food, then forget it. They're up exactly. there. <laughs> I was just gonna, when I leave the room, all bets are off. But if I'm in there, they know. Don't yeah, get it up know. when mommy's cooking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's 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 taking a look, I think, at all the regular things that we do. I was a big candy dish person. I always had a candy dish out and I loved when a holiday came and I could get holiday themed kind of candies and the cats never bothered them. So I wasn't really worried about it. And then my girlfriend, Cheryl, her golden retriever, there might've been her Aussie anyway, ate um, a dish of um, holiday colored wrapped Hershey's Kisses. And pooped sparkles in the snow that winter. Um, and uh, fortunately, it wasn't enough to harm. But it was like, oh, that's that's something that I should maybe stop leaving out. Because you don't know when they're going to go for it, right? Just because they haven't doesn't mean they're not going to. It's true. Change your own habits. So, Dr. Kelly, what else do we need to worry about around the holidays? And I know we're going to have a follow-up in December talking more about some of the other holiday dangers. But did you want to touch on some of those things on, on this podcast? Since a lot of people are going to start setting up their Christmas and Hanukkah decorations. Exactly. Now. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to get all the totes out of the attic very, very soon. Usually as soon as Thanksgiving dinner is cleared, that's my go-ahead. So, any problems there, anything we need to be aware of? You bring up a great point. You these are already always right on it, right? Because folks are going to be setting up now for those holidays. So we'll do a much deeper dive next time we meet to talk about kind of the holidays themselves, kind of what are all the do's and don'ts and, and things to look out for. But when you're setting up for the holidays, I would just recommend, right, cats, what do they like to do? They like to get in those small places. So you talk about those totes. So I would say just, look, you know your cat. You know your cat, you cats. You know your cat's regular MO and what they like to do and don't do. So, and where they're going to be. But I would just recommend that you make sure you kind of 
have um, an understanding of where your cats are. You're opening those totes, you know, you're making sure nobody gets in those totes and you don't know about them and put them back, which may sound silly, right. but it, oh my gosh, anything can happen. And then also just the items that you are pulling out to set up, just, you know, keep in mind, bear in mind what those are, you know, and making sure that if you have a cat that I had a cat once who I think thought she was a small dog. She would take things and run away with them and then like to eat them. So we My actually jet does that. Yes. Just she would take these things like they were her babies. And so, you know, we want to make sure, especially if you're getting out, you know, maybe you have extra tinsel that, you know, you, from last year and it's in that tote and cat, the cat gets it or ornaments or whatever's in that tote. Let's just keep custody of where our cats are when we're setting up and make sure that the things that, you know your cat is going to want to bat around or going to want to get into, you're putting in places that are going to be safe for your cat. Like this cannot be a one size fits all approach. You know what your cats like to do, don't do, where they can get to, where they can't get to. So when you're setting up your decorations, set them up in a way that's going to be safe for your cat. Yeah, I don't even do a tree anymore, but Linda, Linda had to change the whole way she decorated. I will tell you, I have always been so OCD about my tree. I mean, oh no, there's two red ornaments together and smaller and then bigger. And then I use this really cool holographic tinsel and it doesn't look anything like that in the last few years. There is no tinsel. And I'll tell you one thing that I had to force myself to do that I want to tell everybody listening to do. Don't set yourself up for failure. I am not putting my first Christmas ornament on the tree. Does it bother me? Yeah, a little. I enjoyed seeing that once a year. But if the cats kill it, I'm going to be furious and they're just being a cat, right? So I just keep opening totes, looking at things, putting them back, putting them in the attic. Oh, them that's out. so sad. <laughs> Someday I'm going to have some really old senior cats that don't screw with anything and I'll put it back on the tree. Until then, I'm not doing it. I don't blame you. Yes, you're referring to the standard operating procedure that you use relative to what cats are around. And I've had to do the exact same thing. I had several years where there was no tree um, because I had two younger cats that like to climb up the inside of the tree yes. by a live tree. And then they would get to the top and eventually their weight and the ratio of their height would make the whole tree come down. <laughs> yes. um, and then, you know, then I've had years where I don't have any ornaments for the bottom foot of the tree um, because no one was going to climb up. But if they could bat it with their paw, we would get into a problem. So, you know, your cats and make those strategic decisions when you're putting up that tree and those decorations to set yourself up for success. I know we'll talk about this more next time, but one last funny story. L Linda tried to use something to uh, entice her cats to stay away from the tree. And how did that work out for you, Linda? Stuff at Pet Supplies Plus. Instead of you spraying it on the tree, the cats don't like the scent and will stay away. It smelled like roadkill skunk. It was so bad. Now, the cats didn't care, Dr. Kelly. The cats were hanging around the tree, basking in the funk. However, the humans all avoided the Christmas tree because it stunk so bad yeah, so be careful what you room. <laughs> this is probably 15 years ago and everybody's still talking about it because everybody remembers the funk in the living room that year oh, well we're almost out of time dr kelly any last words of wisdom for people when they're setting up their holiday table Ladies, you know, I always like to leave our cat-loving friends with some an actionable toolkit, kind of summarize and the take-home points. So let me close with that this time in what I call the 
the do list or the good list, <laughs> and then the don't do or watch out, or we're going to call it the naughty list. Okay. So here's the do's, right? So what can I feed my kitty? Again, always, you know, your cat and you have a veterinarian. So if you're, you always talk to your vet, if there's an underlying health issue, but we're going to talk about average, healthy, happy cat with nothing weird going on. What can we feed our kitty? little bit of unseasoned, maybe cooked turkey. There's no skin or bones or a little bit of that pot roast. Again, small quantity, little bit. You guys mentioned steamed or mashed sweet potatoes or a little bit of regular potato, nothing in it. Canned pumpkin, right? But canned little bits, little quantity, not pumpkin pie. And then potentially even some fish. If you're doing fish, maybe a little unseasoned grilled or canned salmon, little bit, no bones, we talked about the green bean casserole, so we don't want to be feeding a whole bunch of that. That's got the other stuff in it, but steamed chopped green beans, some cats like that plain, or a little bit if they like a little plain carrot, okay? Now, what else we want to keep in mind, okay? The uh-oh or the naughty list. Keep in mind is that we want to avoid those seasonings, not good for kitties, right? Garlic, onion. We want to avoid large quantities of anything because that's just not good and is going to be more likely to make their tummy upset. Where you feed the cat is important. So let's not do it on the table. They'll start expecting it, but put it where it is they normally get their food, right? And Overfeeding is not healthy physically or mentally for your kitty. We don't want to make them overweight, but it's or for us. <laughs> so if you're feeding them some table scraps on the, the, the nice list, the good list, we want to then adjust maybe the overall food intake for the day so they don't have overgrossriosis for the day. And then some cats, if you do this a lot, you could make them fussy or picky because they decide that that turkey is better than their regular diet. So again, know your cat. And then what do you do if you come up with a problem or your gut and your spider sense is up and your, your hackles are up and something's not right with my kitty? Again, trust your gut, call your veterinarian. The other thing I want kitty loving friends to know is you can actually call a, a pet poison helpline and they can be very, very helpful to talk through things with you. And at the end of the day, it may be they're telling you to go into an urgent care go because your vet may not be open, right? Go into an ER, whatever information is gathered. When you have that conversation, it's a case number and a file that when you go to see the veterinarian, they can access uh -huh. and continue to talk with those people. Well, we will include this for sure. Yeah, I'm writing a note on this. This will be a social media video. Thank you. 24-7. So it's not like it's for naught because now there's that case file that your veterinarian can continue to have a dialogue with one of their veterinarians if heaven forbid it's needed. So I know Thrive has partnered with Pet Poison Helpline, which is an actual company. So there are several companies. Pet Poison Helpline is a company that can be Googled that is phenomenal to support pet parents and veterinarians. So again, you've got a team. It takes a village. You're not left on Lonely Island if there's a problem. Well, and well, I love that awesome. because, you know, let's say I call and they tell me, okay, you need to go to the vet. Now I go to the vet. Now I got to try to get somebody to understand how urgent this is. But mm -hmm. if I'm working with them, they're conveying this message ahead of time. My vet's prepared. I don't have to give him a diatribe on what just happened or they're just going to boogie on it. That's awesome. Love. Love, yeah, I did love, not love. know that existed. That's really important. We're going to have to put that on our website. You always give us something. You always give us something, <laughs> no matter how, how much we know. She always gives us something that we need to keep in our toolbox every Definitely. time we talk to her. I time. can't thank you enough for being so gracious with your time and being a regular on our podcast. 
I know it makes us much more informed about our own kitties and all the listeners too. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Every month I say thank you for being advocates and experts in the space. I'm so grateful for you and all the work you do to support kitties and the people who love them. We appreciate that so much. And we can't wait for next time when we talk about more of the holiday. Oh, I'm ready. I hate to say dangerous, but I guess we should say holiday dangers for your cats or potential holiday dangers. We need to make the holidays as happy for your kitties as they are for us. So everyone have a great Thanksgiving. Linda, thank you so much for being my cohort. Dr. Kelly, we'll see you for uh, another round of this in December. And in the meanwhile, don't forget, every day is Catter Day. And we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.